Hi, welcome to Conversations on Public Health. I'm your host Prachi. Join me every week as I travel across India, speaking to folks who are solving massive public health challenges facing our country and the larger developing world. Following the overwhelming reception to a recent episode on mental health, we decided to come out with a full-blown four-part series on millennials and mental health. The series will cover various topics that affect millennials, including love, relationships, finances, political depression, and social media. Stay tuned as we introduce you to a plethora of speakers and the wisdom that they bring to this incredibly broad topic. This is the first episode of the series. Here we discuss love and marriages with Ridhika Bhandari, a Bangalore-based counselor. Hi, Ridhika. Welcome back to our show. Hi, Prachi. Thank you for having me again. Right. So this is uh, part one in a series of uh, episodes on millennials and mental health. Right. Um, and and this one really concerns the one topic that I that I think never goes out of fashion, which is love. True. Um, and I'll delve right in and ask you, what are millennial ideas of love like? Yeah, it's a very interesting question because uh, I feel that most millennials expect their romantic relationships to be more equitable than past generations have expected. Um, Women still expect to take the primary role in caring for children or people, but they expect men to pitch in for household chores and other tasks. So it's more to do with men and women taking on each other's role equally. Um, Millennials also rely a lot on technology for communication, including texting and conversing through social media. Diversity and multiculturalism are very important to them. Today, they are also more accepting of all cultures and genders in particular. Most people in this generation, you know, want to change the world through various means. They prefer to create an impact through their work and choices. Right. And and these choices, are they can be very personal choices too, right? Like choosing who you marry and all that. Yes. So it's a very subjective, personal thought process. And I feel, you know, where they are coming from, I, I think technology and socioeconomic factors have shaped the way this generation views, initiates and maintains their romantic relationship. Right. We'll come to each one of those things. But sure. But my like my biggest question here is, this doesn't sound at all like the generation that raised them. So yes. where are they getting all these fancy ideas of romance from? I think a lot of these fancy ideas, if I briefly tell you before we get into details, is I think movies, I think movies play a huge role to shape their ideas of romance, social media, uh, dating apps. Today's generation uh, believes in dating apps. I don't think our parents' generation had anything called dating apps. So uh, these are a few things like sitcom, um, you know, um, technology, social media, movies, are a few things I think shape their ideas of how to view relationships in general. You've mentioned a lot of points there, uh, and I want to get into each one of them. Uh, let's talk a little bit about dating apps. And uh, millennials, I think, were the first generation that really began using dating apps, uh, and and they never had any precedent. Uh, which told them what dating app etiquettes are like or, you know, what to do and what not to do and what to expect, what not to expect. So a lot of people in my generation have had very different, uh, you know, experiences with dating apps, which has affected their mental health, you know, at a lot of levels. Some of them have gone on and found partners or dating apps and some of them have been scarred for life and they say we'll never touch these apps again. So what really, um, what are the factors that um, define your relationship with the dating app? 
Um, very interesting. Firstly, I must say dating apps to me is more of swipe left and swipe right. I really wonder how the fingers do after being on a dating app for a long time. <laughs> but like you mentioned, uh, dating apps have been a very core part of uh, a millennial's um, daily activity and the way they view uh, relationships. Um, unlike past generations where people actually had to go out and meet people to find partners, millennials can do that sitting at home today. Apparently, dating apps have become a norm, clearly. <laughs> if I talk about a few uh, issues that people have while they're using dating apps, uh, I know I'm going to one side of the spectrum. I will touch upon briefly how it benefits individuals as well. But when we're talking about uh, issues or the impacts that it has on mental health, I feel feeling of rejection is one of the main uh, mental health aspect that millennials need to address. Um, they have a whole... Uh, box of choices in front of them and they're constantly worried about can I find someone better am I looking better than so and so will I get a like will I not get a like so when you're wondering about these things you're constantly thinking about uh, where people are accepting you whether people are not accepting you and all of that leads to low self-esteem low self-worth low confidence and self-doubt um, there is overemphasis on looks, I feel, because your profile is uploaded, your uh, picture is uploaded, and that small brief that you put up on dating apps also define you. Also, the idea of getting rejected by a complete stranger on the internet. True that. Absolutely, because um, when you know somebody and they reject you, you can still justify it to you. But when a completely complete stranger uh, rejects you, then you really don't know how to look at it. And then there is a series of negative emotions which is overwhelming you. Right, and you mostly end up thinking it's about your looks because most of your dating app profiles, I mean, a large component of that is just your pictures. Yes, I also feel that, you know, millennials look at relationships as very disposable because you have a lot of choices. If not one, then the next. Right. There is risk of, risk of deception. There's anonymity. A lot of information is left out when you're chatting on dating apps because... Uh, you never know if the person is actually being honest about their age or their profession or even the way they look because filters clearly has become a part of technology <laughs> right. as well, right? So, you know, after you get deceited or you get rejected, uh, uh, there is this constant cycle of, uh, you know, low esteem that you delve into. And then in, okay. you just stand and ask yourself, what next? Am I worth anything? Am I worth anybody? But that's not the expectation when you first download a dating app, right? You think you're going to go out there and like actually find someone. But then True. if the process leaves you this defeated and this low on like self-esteem, mm -hmm. uh, do you wonder if it's even worth it? Sometimes I personally do wonder that would it be better if you go out, socialize with people, get to know them, meet them more often and then form an opinion about the person or the relationship that you want to get into. But... Like I said, dating apps also has its pros. There have been people who have been successful in it. There have been people who found their life partners in it. There have been people who have connected with the right person. So it's not always a negative experience that you have via a dating app. But I personally feel that, you know, when you have the opportunity to step out, meet new people, socialize, do you really want to spend so much time on a dating app? But it's not possible now, right, with covid Yes, COVID is another uh, uh, another game changer uh, when to look at 
uh, dating apps and social media and all of that because like you said you're not allowed to step out but i feel this is a temporary phase it's not that your life is over yes dating apps can be the initiation of conversation but more than continuing and sticking to conversation over text or conversation over a dating app if you can convert that into physical meeting and socializing with the person as and when you can probably it will give right. you a little more depth to the relationship it will give you a better understanding of uh, comfort with the person hence reducing all these negative impacts that it can have like rejection or self doubt or just being overwhelmed with the whole process right um you know a lot of people have substituted actually meeting people physically with True. something like a video call yes especially through during covid yes um and i while i know it's not a perfect substitute mm-hmm. it can never be mm-hmm. um i wonder how that impacts our relationship with technology um to add to that or to add to what i was saying previously i think a video call is a little better than texting because in a video call you can see the person you can see yeah. observe their body language you can um observe uh, or rather make eye contact so i feel it is a closer way to socialize and be connected with people but i always believe that there is nothing like actually being physically present and having a conversation no i completely agree and and a related topic to this is social media yes and how that feeds also into you know our ideas of romance and uh, especially this concept of of posting about your relationship on social media true um and how that impacts other people's ideas of romance and how then they get fomo true so it it's like a cycle like you said you know you post something people react to it uh, how others perceive it how you perceive it and how your partner perceives it so it's all a cycle depending on one post there have been multiple studies that have been found, that have discovered a strong link between heavy social media usage and increased risk for depression anxiety loneliness even sometimes self harm social media i feel can promote a lot of negative experiences more so to deal with your appearance or even just your life being inadequate because you're constantly thriving to be someone who you're not so that people can appreciate you on social media having said that uh, when you when there are two people for example uh, a couple wherein the girl wants to share or post something about the relationship and the guy is against it that's the beginning of conflict right and that can lead to misunderstanding miscommunication because the minute she uploads a post on social media there is an argument that when i told you why did you do so okay now i want to talk a little bit about selfie dysmorphia mm-hmm. and um, you know just snapchat dysmorphia which is basically people wanting to look like how they look when their pictures are filtered right right and then um, what kind of like anxiety and depression can trigger in people right if you come to look at it when you talk about snapchat dysmorphia or any other technology dysmorphia you're basically distorting your real image right right so when you're distorting your real image you're putting in filters to feel better about yourself yeah that automatically tells us that there is some insecurity about your looks that you have based on a standard that you have defined for yourself 
and when you define that standard that is coming from comparison right so you're entering into a cycle wherein you want to look really pretty and beautiful because your real self is not pretty you need to add filters to look in a certain way so that you can get accepted by the population outside when you say real self is not pretty it's just your perception that yes you're not good looking enough yes. or it is e- not attractive enough correct correct it is and that's where your insecurity is stemming from and that's why the need to apply filters to look a certain way of course i'm not taking away the fact that there are a group of people who just like using filters because it's the norm everybody is using it so therefore i should also use it but there are also people who are coming and doing that from insecurity because they want to be accepted or they want to be cool i mean with social media i mean like our standards for what is beautiful mm-hmm. and what is attractive mm-hmm. has gone up tenfold it has uh, i mean no one can possibly look like that on a daily basis like hashtag #people don't wake up like that true i agree uh, in fact to give you a little analogy Uh, when Kareena Kapoor had reached size zero, ninety percent of the women wanted to be size zero. And Indian women, it's very hard for us to be size exactly. zero. Exactly. For a lot of us, it's impossible. It is because our structure is very different. Every individual right. structure is different. But teens spend a lot of time trying to live up to these unrealistic expe- expectations and falsified pictures because the society is calling it the norm because everybody is doing it. and everybody wants to fit in cuz social media is reality right like social now. media is reality because i think they spend majority of their time on social media it's like you see somebody on vacation and your thought is like oh why am i not on vacation or why am i not right. uh, wearing this dress this dress is looking pretty on her will it look pretty on me you're constantly asking questions you're constantly seeking for validation I'd like to talk a little bit now, Ritika, about um, you know how um, there's a whole bunch of millennials mm-hmm. who've used dating apps, mm-hmm. who've been in relationships, mm-hmm. um, and who've dated quite a bunch mm-hmm. and are now comfortable, you know, entering the whole concept of arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me wonder why they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Has the idea of what an arranged marriage um, is has that changed? Right. or um, or they're just tired of uh, looking for love not finding it and then sort of just saying you know what i give up that is true that is very interesting because marriage in general in india is a very um, important institution it's considered to be very important uh, in india and uh, today's generation like you said have dated people have gone on dating apps some have found love some have not found love and love need not end up in marriage so people are being open to arrange marriages because i feel they've seen their parents their grandparents go through arrange marriages they've seen their parents who are happy for so many years even though their marriage started with being strangers and how they've grown together as a couple or maybe they just see the stability probably probably they see the stability they see the strength they see they see how each other have grown together as a couple um because right. no matter what millennials also look for consistency stability and strength uh while they're looking for a partner they also want an inner deep connect with their partner they want their partner to understand them more than anything but you know with this whole arranged marriage process mm-hmm. i 
seen with a lot of friends mm-hmm. uh, especially is that there is a huge loss of privacy mm-hmm. for a lot of people mm-hmm. and millennials guard their privacy very fiercely they do so um how are they dealing with it i think it's a mixed bunch because like uh, dealing with privacy is also very subjective uh and i think the perception of how they view arranged marriages is also very important here i'll give you an example like when an individual views arranged marriage as a process to knowing somebody better and then taking that leap of faith that yes i can adjust or accommodate or this person fulfills all my needs or ticks all my boxes then i am ready to jump into the whole process of arranged marriage wherein in that process you are okay to disclose certain amount of information as the meetings carry on wherein if you find somebody who's close about arranged marriages by being close mean they do not want to uh, accept the concept of arranged marriage for whatever reason then no matter what happens they will view the process as literally like how can you get married to somebody by meeting them twice or thrice right um i also feel like millennials are very commitment phobic yes i agree it's so it's so contradictory right like you have this bunch of people who love their privacy they mm-hmm. love their independence mm-hmm. they don't want to commit to people mm-hmm. yet they want um like this everlasting love right right So it is it's quite contradictory it's quite contradicting and a conflict because i feel personally where the the worry or the fear comes from is what if i make the wrong choice what if this person right. is not the right pers- uh, person for me or partner for me what if uh, this whole relationship turns out to be toxic so if i have to summarize all in all i feel the conflict is emerging from the fear of failure because when you make when you go for an arranged marriage it and it doesn't work out it will take us a few seconds to blame our parents because they are the one who introduced us and if we go to love marriage which is a very different concept altogether and if the marriage doesn't work out then we have nobody else to blame but ourselves so fear of failure could also be one of the main reasons of this conflict that you know i want to have something which is good but i'm not sure whether it's going to work out or not i think we we like just sort of a bunch all marriages where you're introduced by to a potential partner mm-hmm. by a parent yes. as arranged marriage mm-hmm. but i feel like arranged marriages too they work on a spectrum yes they do um and, and you know on one end of the spectrum is very very low agency mm-hmm. and on the other end of the spectrum is very high agency mm-hmm. and both of these can make for very very different relationships yes and it's all about perception and how open you are to the idea of marriage in the first place arranged marriage and love marriage and different types of marriages are secondary it's all about are you ready to settle down are you ready to find the right kind of partner for you i know finding the right partner is subjective here but more to do is are you ready to accept what is coming your way grow together and take life forward like marriages are one way of it's a long term partnership right but yes. there's different models also of long long term partnerships that could you could be in a civil partnership you could just be living with someone without really having any kind of a legal document in the middle mm-hmm. yes um and a lot of millennials are exploring these other options because they do want the freedom uh, to get out of something that's not working with ease right true 
like you said this all relates to the whole commitment phobic uh, perspective towards uh, uh, a relationship in general and yes there are many categories of being together and getting to know one another and exploring how you can grow as a couple is always there and i feel the concept of get you know getting out of things when it is difficult is a very new age concept um today if you see our parents and grandparents generation getting out of any relationship i don't think they would even think about it close to impossible it, to do something yes, like that yes yes i feel now it is even a possibility because there are choices because people focus more on independence like you said people focus more on privacy people want to be uh, equally independent to their partner there is no codependency happening here uh, they view their right. relationship at par with each other and because they're not willing to sort of um, you know accept any kind of unfairness yes from you know either side yes they are more likely to get out of a relationship that they perceive is not ideal yes true because and sorry go ahead no i'm saying and that feeds into my next question which is about divorces mm-hmm. and millennials right um millennials are more open to the concept of di- divorce in comparison to the previous generation so i personally feel that the need to be independent is so high that adjustment and accommodation becomes a burden at some point mm-hmm. um you know if you are not treated equal to the partner you love whether it's the guy or the girl i'm just generalizing over here then there are so mm-hmm. many instances that uh, lead to conflict there is lack of commitment there is infidelity uh, sometimes you just lose interest in the relationship and when all of these things happen your independence is threatened you feel like what am i getting out of this or what am i bringing to this i'd rather be independent and grow as an individual than grow as a couple and like while i understand that a lot of divorce statistics mm-hmm. um, are seen very divorce like rising divorces mm-hmm. are seen negatively yes you know by a lot of people yes. they may just be a sign that people are more willing to explore other avenues of being happy yes because it's the the reason why i feel that is uh, the society is not accepting it is because it's not the society norm because generations after right. generation they have they have built this constitution of togetherness of love of at the cost of anything right like your happiness your i mean violence uh, independence everything everything there there is there's no uh, scope of voicing your opinion in my uh, you yeah. know experience i can uh, tell you it and today's millennials are not that tolerant they are not that patient which is absolutely fine because they prioritize their happiness more than anything else so they feel that they need to express and voice their uh, issues rather than suppress them on the other hand yeah i feel like a lot of these virtues like of tolerance of patience you know many times they they're almost like they use against women women you know very often true like they're just expected to be tolerant and patient and work through some very difficult times yes in uh, you know in in fact i personally feel to add on to that uh, i feel it's the job description of a woman she's supposed yeah. to have all these <laughs> things to ensure that her family <laughs> is together um also want to now touch a little bit upon you know uh, mental health mm mm-hmm. of um folks when they're in a relationship with someone who is depressed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or is anxious mm-hmm. 
um, and not many people talk about like the partner's mental health. Right, right. Uh, and because millennials are very open to talking about these issues, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to talk about, uh, you know, what spouses or what partners or can do to sort of like worry about their own mental health, especially when someone that you love mm-hmm. and care about mm-hmm. is suffering too. Like, how do you care for them and how do you care for yourself? Right. Uh, I feel because uh, um, communication is an important role here. Um, today's uh, millennials are more open to helping each other out because mental peace is very important to them. They connect right. their uh, ambition, they connect their way of functioning to mental peace. So if they are at peace, things will work out for them. So they encourage each other to resolve their emotional issues by either talking to themselves, talking to uh, each other talking to friends maybe seeking help uh, professionally because millennials are more open today to seek help outside they are okay to the concept of counseling to begin with right what about how their mental health gets impacted when they're having to stand up to their family mm-hmm. um, for the sake of someone that they love that can be a, a, a very interesting topic to discuss about is because parents and grandparents generation may not understand mental health issues like depression anxiety uh, i'm having panic attacks and things like that so when a spouse uh, or any one person in a relationship talks about how the other person is suffering or not suffering they have to be very sensitive towards it they have to be patient about it because to explain to parents what their spouse is going through, it will be a major task for that individual. Um, they have to break it down into steps. They have to be understanding to listen to the parent's perspective and not engage into an argument. Because if you get into an argument, you are losing the purpose of the conversation completely. And age gap also has to be taken into consideration because parents age group for them you just take it up and go ahead and resolve your issues yourself because that's what they do a lot of times you know like growing up we've seen models of conflict resolution i mean when we grow up we we see people fight and resolve conflicts right right? and then those become our models of conflict resolution right um and many times the models of conflict resolution that we see are less than ideal Mm mm-hmm and lots of times we don't even see conflicts because we we might come from families where our mothers are uh, they're so dominated mm-hmm. that they don't really fight or they don't really stand up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my next question is how do millennials fight? That's a very a very interesting question is how do they fight? I feel if you look at two generations and if you really have to compare, um, millennials don't hesitate towards their opinions. And when I say that, fighting can be loud. Because what is more important to them is to express what they feel. Because they don't understand the concept of being submissive. They don't understand the concept of keeping quiet. Because that questions their fundamentals. I am here to say what I feel like. And hence I will say it. So when you talk about fighting, I think fighting can be loud. Fighting can be expressive. Fighting can be a way of just sharing each other's opinions. Because if you don't talk about them... It's not only going to hamper your relationship, it's also going to hamper your mental health as well. 
Right. So they understand that it's important to like confront and talk about issues, mm-hmm. at least within the relationship. At least within a relationship. Yes. There are a lot of uh, millennials who um, run away from conflicts as well. So there's that side of the group as well. You know, because when you work on conflict or when you talk about confrontation, it again leads to the whole loop of being accepted. What will he or she think about me if I start voicing my opinion? So that again leads to insecurities that again look comes across as you're seeking for validation. Hence, it's better to be quiet because that way you will not judge me. So millennials do fear judgment and they will do anything to be perceived in a particular way. But there is also yeah. a group of people who don't care about judgment, but prefer or prioritize voicing their opinion as the key to um, safeguard their relationship, if I may put it. And I think that's this the second group of millennials is the millennials who are getting it right. Probably, yes. Again, like I said, it's very subjective. It's how you look at your relationship, how your partner is, what kind of understanding the two of you have. And to top it all, what are your priorities of this relationship together as a couple? Let's talk a little bit about millennials and sex. Mm-hmm. How do they view sex? Is it something that is there is something that is supposed to be only within the marriage, or are they more open to like uh, exploring outside mm-hmm. of it or before it? Mm-hmm. I think that's a very interesting topic because uh, a lot of millennials who I will be just sharing my opinion. Uh, about are from my experience so when I come across millennials or I've had a conversation with millennials they are more to um, explore sex rather than saving it for the marriage they want to know what it is all about they want to uh, explore pleasure they want to understand what happens when you have sex Um, why can't I have it with my partner who I am close to or who I am in a relationship for a long time Millennials are also marrying very late. Yes. And when you marry late, mm-hmm. later, how different is that marriage from a marriage between two people who married very early? I feel there will be a huge difference. I'll tell you why. Majorly point from the point of procreation as well as how much independence have you sacrificed. And I use the word sacrifice because when you marry young, the I don't know uh, whether it holds true for both men and women, but women specifically have to uh, give up on their professional life if they are marrying into a family that doesn't allow them to work. Uh, women have to start learning to balance their work life and home life at a very young age. That may have its pros, but they also have it their cons. Millennials prefer to delay their marriage because when they're delaying the marriage, they want to be stable. They want to be financially independent. They want to be equal to their partner. Um, they have so many debts and loans that they would like to clear before they can even think about getting into a relationship that ends in marriage and then family planning as well. Uh, when I talk about procreation, it is easier to procreate when you're younger than you become older. So children become, conceiving children become more difficult as your age becomes older and what about you know the concept of like freezing your eggs mm-hmm. that's a new I think concept. a lot of a lot of millennial women are like excited about this concept and it kind of frees up so many things for you right yes. like true so when you talk about freezing your eggs that was that that is a very new concept because then even at 40 when you decide to have a kid your eggs are frozen which can be fertilized 
so there is no right. need for your body to go through that uh, trauma of whether i can conceive or i cannot conceive because your egg is right. already frozen you're already in that frame of mind that yes if i want to have a kid at any given point i can always do that and in today's world uh, we also uh, uh, are experiencing a lot of other issues gynecology issues uh, which is stopping you from conceiving um, at a later age this this stress of childbearing mm-hmm. can also impact relationships right it can because in today's generation it's very difficult wherein both co-partners agree on having a kid um there are multiple categories to it there are there are couples who want to delay having a child there are couples who don't want to have a child there are couples who want to adopt mm-hmm. so depending on which category you are it has a huge uh, impact on your mental health as well there have been couples wherein one of them want to have kids and one don't but i would assume that because millennials are they tend to be so upfront about what they want mm-hmm. that they would have discussed these things before committing to people true so like i said they are so open to communication or open to sharing about these values which they are very clear about one thing good about the millennials is they know what they want to quite an extent so when you know that if you are entering a marriage and you know you don't want to have a kid yes they do discuss it there are groups of people who don't i don't so there are both sides of the spectrum but uh, when you are aware that a person a doesn't want a child and the person b also doesn't want a child then they are very happy to be together then there is no social impact or mental impact happening over there but wherein you want one person who wants a kid and the other person doesn't want a kid then there are emotional issues that you can you know experience so i mean there's this trend right like lesser millennials are getting married yes and they're getting married later yes and the ones who are getting married uh, at all mm-hmm. are having fewer children yes they usually sorry i i i feel that you know when you talk about millennials delaying marriage or delaying children or not having children or not getting married i would just like to say that millennials have always questioned the conventional paths that our parent parents have taken at any given point they want answers they want logical practical answers so they are not the set of people that would follow their parents path they would like to learn from their own mistakes um they view life very differently their challenges are very different because of environmental issues family issues how they look at life in general um i feel some of the reasons why they could be avoiding having children or delaying having children or from or marriage as a fact could be that it's very expensive in today's world to sustain two people and then sustain you know get in another person into your family finances can be off the roof millennials i personally feel may not be so much into savings if they're not into savings then how do they raise a child they have to change their entire life to be able to uh, accommodate one more human being in their relationship uh, millennials want to focus on their career now when you are focusing on your career you're very ambitious you do not want to adjust or accommodate to any family gathering or social gathering or uh, half time for your family so you do question the fact that if you're so ambitious and you want to reach at a particular level would you really have time to spend with your spouse or would you really have time to spend with your child the one thing that i want to say in defense of millennials mm-hmm. is that we get paid very little mm-hmm. 
and the only way for them to get paid more mm-hmm. so that they can then sort of live the life that they want True. is to work really hard right the years that they spend working mm-hmm. and building their career mm-hmm. unfortunately for women also tend to be the years when you are most likely to give birth to a healthy child True. and that is not something that's in our hand right it is it it is more of more to do with the environment but i also feel that if you can find a healthy balance between your ambition and starting a family then maybe you can come up with a solution it's not impossible millennials are also a very lonely generation it is or they perceive themselves to be as a lonely generation no. because their priorities are different if you are running in a rat race and you want to be ambitious and you want to climb the ladder and you want to earn a lot of money then there is no scope for other people in your life how does this flow into romance or like the ideas of romance like if you're lonely and then you want to find someone mm-hmm. but you know you're so busy at work you're working like weekends True. you don't know how to meet new people and True. the only way for you to meet new people is like literally through a dating app right uh, where you put up like a filtered picture <laughs> of yourself in the hope that you will get more matches and True. then uh, yeah somehow land a date and then not able to turn up for that date because you got extra work True. i mean it's a vicious cycle what do they do it is a vicious cycle and i feel the first step to break out of this vicious cycle is to sit and decide for yourself what do you want in life what kind of person do you want to become do you want to be stuck in this rat race in this vicious cycle and just keep on working 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 and 10 years down the line you will have nobody or do you want to create some kind of balance wherein when you are required to take some time out for your personal self then only you will be able to find a partner for yourself but first and foremost you have to find time for yourself a lot of people are also very happy in the rat race they're right. like yeah we want to work this mm-hmm. hard and we want to get to a particular place in life mm-hmm. and you know make all this money mm-hmm. and and live and travel the world mm-hmm. and live like very independent life correct this generation loves to travel this generation loves to be independent this generation loves to explore having said that there are a lot of individuals who find it hard to balance their lifestyle whether it is a relationship whether it is even to take out time to travel it's basically millennials and balancing i personally feel that if millennials can look at their whole life in with the perspective perspective of balance there will be a whole different approach wherein you can maintain your independence be ambitious um worry about reaching a particular level at a given certain age and have a life for yourself into personal life social life maybe even a family what if they feel like we want to work really hard for the next 7 8 10 years mm-hmm. and then you know we'll have our entire life to chill that is again a perspective that they have decided so if that's what they want then they should be happy and they should accept the next 7 years all i'm going to do is slog then you cannot doubt yourself that oh i don't have a partner i don't have a social life all i'm doing is working so it's more about being sure that this is the path that i want to follow how can you sink in a relationship how can you sink in a social life how can you sink in family gatherings into that lifestyle is the focus that millennials need to spend a little time on yes i just like to add one more thing is childhood trauma also has a role in the way millennials view relationship um why i said that say that is because uh, when you are a child and if you have had a traumatic childhood because of your parents or grandparents or people around you who have been 
constantly fighting in their relationship or there is abuse in the relationship which you have seen that does have a huge impact on the way you view relationships probably building trust or giving in completely to your partner would then become difficult but having said that there are multiple ways you can deal with it i feel millennials are open to counseling and therapy they should utilize that at any given point it need not be professionally they can even talk to their friends and uh, you know seek the help that they require um i just like to summarize by saying that therapy is one way wherein issues can be taken care of to whatever intensity they wish to uh, some of the issues that i feel millennials might need to address is dealing with rejection communication anxiety and depression trust issues as well as uh, work life stress thank you so much dilika that made for a very interesting conversation thank you for coming you're most welcome i am happy to be a part of this thank you so much